Good morning. I hope that classical music didn't make you fall asleep. I really do like the music. But uh, I know after uh, listening to a loud worship set that that's a little bit calming. So I don't want to make you fall asleep. So I'm going to start with prayer. Oh, wait, that's a bad joke. All right. So I'm going to start us off with prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we just ask, God, that as we get into your word in the book of Joshua, Joshua in this series, God, you would open our eyes to what you did through Joshua, through the people of Israel, but most of all, that we would get a glimpse of who you are. And God, we need to know who you are. It's, it's ever-present every day in our world right now that we need to know the God of the universe, the one that created us, the one that loves us and lives present with us. And so God, today as we learn about your plans and how you have a succession plan for each of us, God, help us to see what that looks like and make adjustments so we can be part of your plan. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the first Father's Day that I've had being a father of four, okay? So I'm going to play a little game this morning. Uh, I didn't tell my wife I was going to play this game, so maybe that's a bad thing. So if you are a father, I want you to stand up, okay? Just a father, father, okay. I know I said just a father. If you're a father of one, stay standing, let's see, or no, wait, wait, the opposite way. So if you're a father of two, stay standing, or two or more, two or more, three or more, three or more, four or, four or more, five or more. Oh man, we've got a battle here. Okay, six or more. Whoa, you won! <laughs> Brad Gardner. So, so, Brad Gardner, the prize is in the back. Okay, all right. So, I love Father's Day, but I only love it for one reason. Because I get to grill, and I get to do whatever I want, right? My wife's not in here right now, so I can say that. So, no, I, I, it's amazing how you see the impact of fathers and, and strong leaders in the home that are nurturing, protecting, and developing their children, but also the many generations. And maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're a kid right now, okay? And you're like, well, I'm not a dad yet, or I'm not a mom. You know what? Mother's Day, mothers get flowers, I've never been to a Mother's Day that is more well attended. Father's Day, have you ever noticed this? Restaurants are packed on Mother's Day. Like, you have to reserve before Mother's Day. Father's Day, there's like three restaurants that are packed. It's like the steak places, okay? That's about it. There's no other place that's packed. So, I think Father's Day is a great time to start a series on the book of Joshua. If you've read the book of Joshua, the word strong and courageous is used very often. And so, we're going to start Joshua today. And if you look at the title of the series, Courage Over Fear, Courage Over Fear, you're either going to make decisions based on courage or fear. Simple as that. It's fight or flight. It's am I going to run or am I going to fight? Am I going to stay here? So if you have our app, you can click the link at the top of the feed. Even if you're here, if you have a phone or an iPad, click the link at the top of the feed and it goes right to the notes. If you notice, we don't have bulletins. We haven't been handing those out. And, you can watch online. If you're watching online, you can put it up on one device and then on another, look at the notes. So today we're going to talk about God's succession plan. 
Now, there's many places in the world where corporations make a succession plan, but sometimes they struggle with statements like this, or you struggle and I struggle with something like this. And I've said these things. If I don't do this, everyone else will mess it up. Anyone ever say that? Come on, parents, let's be honest. No one can do this the right way. Oh, you say that one? Anyone? Okay, all right. Whether we say it or not, I think we all have thought it at some point, right? We were like, oh, they can't do this right. And sometimes it's like, why am I expecting my five-year-old child to do something that I never did when I was five, and no other five-year-old could do that? So the, the problem with thinking that, first, here's the obvious thing, is pride, as if you're the only one that can do that or do it the right way. We also, we forget, no matter if we do something to further the plans of God or someone else does, it's still going to happen. So no matter who does it, it's still going to happen if it's God's plans. And so we don't need to stress about it or we don't need to say we're the only ones that could do it. If I were to die of a heart attack right now on stage, there's someone else that could preach here. Not in, maybe in the room, I don't know. There's people that could preach in the room. Someone else can, but yet... We don't think like that. Like, we think that we're the only ones that can do something. We can't think that we're the end all of God's plan. And we really have to ask the question, are we training up the next generation of God's people with the promise and the words of God that are in this passage in Joshua chapter 1, I will not leave you nor forsake you? That's the question. Are we, are we training up other people that way? You're going to see in the book of Joshua, and this is more of an introduction for the whole book, God had a plan well before the human characters had any idea what was going to happen. They didn't have an idea. They didn't know what was going to happen next. And God's plans, now this is important. If you get anything today, this is important. God's plans will not be stopped by your lack of involvement. They just won't. They're still going to happen. He will just use other people. And so I don't know about you, but I want to jump on that train rather than sit on the side of the road. So it's really important that we're not left out of what God's plans are. And so in order to understand the book of Joshua, we need to look at what is happening leading up to chapter 1. So turn with me, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to to the end of, of Deuteronomy. It's literally the page before Joshua. And I'm going to refer to it a little bit, but, but the great liberator that God is, he used men. One of them was Moses. So Moses is someone that, that wrote the first five books of the Bible. He, he's this major character. Moses, although he was the one that God used to liberate the Israelites from slavery, into the promised land, he disobeyed God. Imagine that. Someone that sinned. He didn't lead well. In Numbers chapter 20, when God told him that they, he told God that they were thirsty, and then God said, and I know this sounds crazy, I'm going to bring water out of a rock. And Moses doubted. Moses doubted. That was it. His sin was doubt against what God said he was going to do. That was it. So God said this in Numbers chapter 20, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly, the people, into the land that I have given them. So the succession plan was already in motion. The succession plan's in motion. God's plans were going to be further than Moses. Who is going to be the next leader? 
Who would get done what God had promised to do? Who would be the person? Well, here comes in Joshua. And Joshua, you know, the character as described when I was a child is he was kind of young. The reality is he walked with Moses as his assistant for 40 years. I don't think he was young. (laughs) He wasn't a young guy. (laughs) 40 years. Anyone want to apprentice for 40 years? You want to raise your hand? Anybody? 40 years. He was with Moses when he received the law. It says in Exodus 24, 13, when he went up the mountain to see the Lord, that's when he was with him. He was with Moses when God spoke to him in Exodus 33, 11. He was there. It was like he was his shadow. It'd be really creepy if Aaron just followed me around while I'm preaching, right? That's what, Mo- that's what Joshua was doing. He was following Moses everywhere. He was everywhere. He was Moses' assistant for 40 years in the wilderness journey. He was at the mountaintop with God. And he was also at the valley when Moses was struggling in the wilderness and didn't believe that God would bring water. So he was at the mountaintop of the valley, and that was his training. And Moses is called a servant. Now you wonder why I said to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34. In Deuteronomy 34, 5 is one of the most important phrases regarding Moses in the entire Bible. It says that he is a servant of the Lord. A servant of the Lord. And eventually, Joshua gets that title. It's about when he dies, actually. It says he was a servant of the Lord. But but Joshua, as Moses' assistant, was not a servant to Moses. He was the successor to the leadership position that Moses had. He was the new Moses. If I give you a little bit more information about Moses, Moses was... Someone that, I mean, he, he was the one God used to bring the ten plagues to the Egyptians to get the people out of slavery. This is a million plus people that were moved out of slavery, and yet he's not going to be in the land. Joshua was serving, not serving Moses, he was serving God. And his role was to follow and learn from Moses. He was, he was supposed to be his shadow. When we were studying this, and we were looking at it as, as a sermon. We're like, well, why does he use the word assistant? Because that's a word we use now commonly. But in the Bible, it's not used commonly. And that means that God already had a plan when it was written that this is what is going to happen and when it was happening. So right before Joshua chapter 1 and Deuteronomy chapter four, 34, we find out, if you're looking there, we find out that Moses passes away. And when Moses passes away, we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 1. Now, that seems like a lot of introduction. But as I've read about this, this is the biggest transition in the Old Testament. It's the biggest transition because Moses, he, he was the person that people looked to. In the New Testament, there's many times where they talk about Moses and Elijah. Well, those are the two people that they always refer back to as the stalwarts of the faith, the people that are the people of faith that they want to follow. So turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, and you can see up on the screen there, God is going to commission Joshua as the new leader. This is right after Moses passed away. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now go therefore, uh, go therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. I'm just going to stop right there. 
two verses. And I, I know when I first read this, I go, well, what can you get out of these two verses? Well, if you know all the background, which I've given you, he walked for 40 years in the wilderness watching Moses lead. God knew that Joshua was the man. That's a long time to be number two in a position of leadership if you think you're number one. If you want to be the number one. What happens when Moses dies? The first thing that happens, God comes to Joshua. God says, hey, Joshua. He's not wasting any time. Really, chapter 34 of Deuteronomy and Joshua chapter 1 probably happened about the same time. Like there's no, it's, it's, not, it's an immediate transition. And that shows us that God is always one step ahead of our plans. You imagine Moses dying, and you're a people in the wilderness without a land, without a place, and that's your leader, and then you're like, where do we go? And God's like, Joshua's going to lead you. God always has someone in the waiting. He doesn't have to search for his servant. He knows. Joshua, again, had been to the mountaintop and the valley. He'd been everywhere in the wilderness. He knows as a leader that he's going to encounter that too. And there will be mountaintops and valleys in what we talk about in Joshua. But God is with us in both the mountaintop and the valley. And Joshua knew that as well. But he wasn't just chosen because he experienced those things. If you, if you turn back to Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, it says, And Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid hands on him. Moses, you know how leaders hang on to things? I can only, you know, when I started with the phrase, I can only, I'm the only one that can do this right, or I, you know, Moses didn't live like that. He might have at times. There's times where he resisted the calling of God and what God was telling him to do. But in this case, he lays hands on Joshua and says, this is the, this is the guy. So God immediately, talking to Joshua, makes some sense. God was one step ahead of the plans of what the Israelites had. So, I know this might sound crazy right now, but 40 years prior, when Joshua was Moses' assistant, and he just started, and he's a squirrely young guy, God knew. God knew that that was the next person. That was the next leader. He knew then. And then the people trusted Joshua. I mean, imagine this. There's this great leader... And then all of a sudden, that leader dies unexpectedly. And the next thing that happens is God says, well, this is the guy again. So what does God say to Joshua? God says, my servant is dead, Moses is dead. He restates something that he's already stated, the promise to Israel. So when, when something changes in your life, God sometimes restates his promise to you because we forget it when we're in times of trial. The Israelites were in a time of trial and a time of transition. Haven't we been in that in our country? And we need to re-understand that God still has the same promises for us. No matter what you watch on TV, no matter what you hear about, God still has the same promises for us. Then what I find interesting is he tells Joshua to immediately rise and go. Go into the land. Moses is dead. You know, it's like God's not waiting for anything now. Moses, I, I told Moses he's not going to the land. Well, Moses is dead. Let's go. So he's like, okay, we're going. Crossing the Jordan starts the commissioning of Joshua. 
the new leader of the nation of Israel. And this tells us something else that I think we forget. God has his own plan in his own time. We sometimes want to flip that, and we want to make our own plans in our own time. But God has his own plans in his own time. God's giving the land to the people in perpetuity. It's forever. It's not just for Joshua or the people alive then. That's why we have turmoil in the Middle East, because there's one group of people that believe it's their land, and there's another people that believe it's their land. Simple as that. God waited for this time. He promised the land, but the people still had to take it with God's direction. They must be strong and courageous, but they were filled with fear. They were filled with fear. God had delayed them 40 years. That's a lot of contemplating. Is God really going to do this? Imagine waiting 40 years for something God told you that he was going to do. I mean, if I look in this room, and I'm, I'm putting myself in this, in this group, 40 years? I don't think I'm waiting on God for 40 years. Fear's going to get the hold of me. I'm in the wilderness. We don't have food. There's no place to grow things. We're, we're walking around in the desert, and yet God continually provided for 40 years. Sometimes we're in the waiting, and we want to be in the excitement of the movement of the plan. And yet God's saying, we need to be in the waiting. We need some encouragement in that time between the mountaintops. I've noticed a, a cultural thing in Christianity and church in general is that we look at mountaintops and we look at these highs like going to a conference or doing something like that and we're like, man, I feel spiritually fed. And then a month later you're in the same cycle because what hasn't changed is really how you're interacting with God. It's just a matter of that time that you got fed more. And so they're here in this 40-year valley because they haven't had a mountaintop for a long time. Remember, so God gave them the law, the Ten Commandments, and then they exodus out of, of Egypt in that area and then were in the wilderness for 40 years. And then Moses died. There was a lot of uncertainty happening at once. Imagine this, and I know this is really scary. Imagine if we had a president for 40 years. Did anyone laugh? Oh, yeah, people, someone hissed. I don't know. I don't know what that noise was. Imagine if we had a president for 40 years, and then they die, and it's all we've ever known. I mean, just like, that's what this is. Like, the leader was there, and now the leader's gone, and there's this Joshua. He's always walking behind the leader. I guess he's good enough. <laughs> you know, he's, he's there. They were in an uncertain time, and they were looking for a next generation of leaders that would lead with integrity. If, you know, I think that sometimes in our culture, we forget that we need to be passing on leadership to younger people. You know what's, you know what's interesting, and some people may get mad at me, because I know there's some Bulls fans in here, but Michael Jordan was a great player. But the only time he coached, he was terrible. I just don't get it. And I look at that and I go, well, what's the problem? He's a great player. Some people are great at what they do, but they never pass it on to the next generation. It just doesn't happen. The book of Joshua is a book where God is fulfilling his earlier promises. It shows commands being carried out. God's promises are still being fulfilled through his church. Nothing stopped. If I, if I were able to dis, uh, take all the information that people have told me about interactions or spiritual conversations they've had over the past two months 
it would be more information than I normally receive. And it would be deeper than I normally receive. And so the, the church is still working, still moving. God is working through us and in us. But when we focus our plans and our fear of other things get in the way of that, then we have a problem. And that was what the dilemma is here. I don't know about you, but I think there's a lot of fear about everything right now. Everything. And then we get to the second part of this passage. One of the most reassuring passages in the entire Old Testament. I'm going to read verse 3 through 5. And this is a promise you might need to post on your wall. It might be something that you need to remind yourself of daily. It might be something that you need to, to say to encourage yourself and realize here. And it's not about the wilderness, though, so no, that's not that part. Verse 3 through 5 says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. God's restating what he's already told the people. God's telling his promises again, because guess what? What do we do? We forget. When God tells us something, we forget. Verse 4 From the wilderness and this Lebanon, far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. That's a promise to Joshua, but this next one's the promise to everyone. And I think that's, when you read this, this is a great promise. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God is with the people. Well, after walking 40 years in the desert, God says you're going to have to walk more. <laughs> Did you notice that? Hey, everywhere you put the soles of your feet, I'm like, can you imagine walking for 40 years, you know, living in tents? I can't even, with my family, I can't even get them to be in a tent one night. So I don't know how 40 years is going to go. You know, I got younger kids. It just doesn't happen. Imagine the screaming babies, the craziness. Like, what? 40 years. 40 years. And they walk into the land of promise. But it's not just a promise to Abraham that's being fulfilled. It's the promise to Moses. And now it's the promise to Joshua. And it's a promise to the people. So verse 2 and 3 say all twice. I want, I want to go back to the 2 and 3. It says all this people and then every place. It's a complete promise. It's not a partial promise. It's all the people and all the land. And that leads us to God's plans are for all people. It's not just a portion of the people. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the promise is for you. The promise is for all people, not just Joshua the leader. God's plans are not just for the pastor. It's for the whole church. Can I get an amen to that? Because you guys are the church. Because that's what it is. It's not just for me, it's for all of us. God's plans and promises continue to be fulfilled in his people. God's fulfilled his promise of a redeemed people through Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, through his resurrection. And we're all part of God's plan, not just those who spend their vocation in ministry, their, their career. We all have ministry to do, and we have a choice. I talked about that choice earlier. We can choose to be part of God's plan, or we can choose to be part of our own plan. Very simple. I, for one, want to be part of the plan. 
But there's still a lot that needs to happen here for the people to be in the promised land. And maybe we need to think of it like that, like being with God is actually being in the promised land because the promises of Jesus Christ spiritually are way greater than a promise of a land or a space. But here is what we need to know. God is clear about the extent of his plan. How far does his plan go? I love details. He says it right here. He gives the boundaries of the land. The wilderness is uncultivated land here. The great seas is the Mediterranean. This description of land parallels previous descriptions both in Genesis and in Numbers. So to Moses and, and uh, Abraham. During the life of King David and Solomon, both King David and his son Solomon, during that time, they had all the land that God promised. When God makes his promise, he's clear about the extent of his promise. But that's not enough for us, right? It's not enough. We often add to his promises. Well, I know Jesus died for my sins, but I feel like I need to do all these extra steps. But I know that someone told me that going to church is the way to get to heaven and I, I kind of like Jesus, but I'll just go to church. We add to things. We put qualification, like when he needs to fulfill things. Have any of you prayed to God and then gave up because he didn't answer right away? I mean, I, I have. Because I'm like, I just get disappointed. We put these qualifications on what he needs to do, when he needs to fulfill it. When there's a lack of clarity, he's the one who clarifies it for us. In his word. He's the one who makes things clear in time. God made the same promise to Joshua that he, in verse 3 through 5a, to Moses in Deuteronomy 11, 24 and 25. I'm going to show you this on this slide. This is really helpful for me. So every place where you set your foot will be yours. It'll extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river or the river Euphrates, to the western sea, and it mentions Hittite country, which is actually just kind of in the center there. And no man will be able to stand against you, and no man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. How many times do we need God to restate something? And if we're honest, every day. Every day. The people were reading the book of Deuteronomy right before Moses was dying. They were reading what he, was, he had written down. It was there, and they're reading this, and then he still has to say the same thing to Joshua. Anyone ever feel like a, a, a parent when you have to tell your kids things more than once? It's like God's like, hey, I love you. I'm patient with you. I'm going to tell you my promises over and over and over. He's committed to his promises, reassuring Joshua of his plan. God's telling the people and their leaders over and over what his plan is, and he's not going to abandon them or write them off. So here's the question I have. What is God reassuring you of this week? What's God reassuring you of right now? What do you need to hear from him this week, this moment, right now? What is the thing that pops in your head? I need to know that. I need to hear that. I need to know how much I'm loved by God. I need to know how much he cares. This leads to the promise I shared earlier. God's plan is not to abandon or forsake you. You know, he's got the ultimate patience. He's watching us. 
and we fight and rebel against him, but then we chase everything but him, and yet he's still there with open arms for us to run into. Nothing you have done can keep you from the love of God found in Jesus Christ. It's just nothing. There's nothing. We are on mission as the church because of the same promise, because God's not going to leave us or forsake us. If you look at the end of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, it says the same thing here. The promise is not changed. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. When you go out and you disciple people, when you share with people, I'm not going to leave you and forsake you. He didn't write us off. He won't abandon us. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. When God makes his plans, he keeps them. Now, I know this is ironic to share on Father's Day, but my wife says I have a problem. She's pointed out to me numerous times that I say, I plan on it. Any of you guys in the room ever get distracted when you say, I plan on it? I plan on it. I'm planning on doing that. You ever not do what you said you're planning on doing? Okay, let's be honest. Any hands? Uh, everyone's, all the guys are looking at each other. I saw that. So sometimes we struggle with doing what we plan to do. Whether, in my case, I tend to get distracted. I'm like, ooh, ooh, what's going on? Oh. I'm like running around in circles. There's a kid doing something. When I say that I'm planning on something, I don't always do it. And I want to make this clear. We can get distracted because, and other things get in the way, but our plans are change. God's plans don't. God's plans and God's promises do not change. And that's the problem. Sometimes we go to God and we think he's like us. And we say, I plan on doing this. Or God says he plans on doing that. And the problem is, that's not the case. That's not how God works. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And you know what the problem usually is? Is patience on our end because he doesn't do it when we want him to do it. And that's the struggle. He told the people then, and it's still true now. He's not going to abandon you or forsake you. He's not going to abandon you. We need to model the patience God has with us. We need to model that. God is patient when we don't listen, when we take a long time to adjust. I mean, it took Joshua 40 years to get to where he needed to be to be a leader. Is anyone willing to wait 40 years? To encounter countless struggles as a leader? To encounter revolt? God's patience with the people of Israel overcame a lot. He's not going to leave us and forsake us. His patience was when they worshipped other things. They made a golden calf. Now we might think that's absurd, but when we sit in front of our TVs and watch football every week, or we sit in front of our TVs and watch a sporting event, we're spending our time that way. We're spending our time other ways. Maybe there's something else that we worship, or we, that's all we think about. And we're not thinking about things of God. And so they did that, and it overcame that. And then it overcame a lack of faith because of fear. So when you're most afraid, God is most powerful. And what I mean by that is, 
when the people were most afraid, that's when God showed up in his great power. When you are weak, he is strong. But it takes that one moment where your fear of something else is just small enough, it gets small enough, that you cry out to God. And we're going to see in Joshua that people cry out to God a lot. They're, they're afraid. They don't have courage. That's why he has to keep restating things. And then there was a lack of trust. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with a lack of trust in God and his provision. This is an uncertain time. I don't think any of us would say in our lifetimes the world has been the way it's been this last year. It's just, there's no way. There was a lack of trust in his provision, but he reassured them. And I want you to be reassured this morning that the promise of God that he's never going to leave you or forsake you is true just as much as it was in Joshua's time, just as much as it was in the first century in Matthew. It was, it's for you today. God was patient with people for years, for centuries. And yet the question I have to ask myself why can't we be patient with each other? Why is there so much anger and division in the world? Why can't we look at what God's done for us, the grace he's given us, and give that grace to others? God's not going to abandon us or forsake us, and that's a promise I can rest in every day for the rest of my life. Let us be a church that is on mission with that mission. There are people that need to hear that. And maybe today you'll be around some. And you can say, I went to church today. I heard this pastor talk. And he said, God will not leave us or forsake us. And I think you need to hear that. Maybe that's what God's called you to do today. And if you're watching online, maybe it's, you need to say that out loud. So I'm going to have everyone do that. You know, they do this in class. You ever repeat vocabulary words. I'm going to give you a sentence to, to say and say loud. So the promise of God, and, and this is what I want you to say, is I will never leave you or forsake you. Can we say that really loud? It's going to be a garbled mess, okay? But, but I'll start at the beginning. So I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the promise of God. Don't forget it. So what? So, so why does that matter so much? It's because God is always one step ahead of our plans. His plan comes into his own time. It's not in our time. It's in his time. It took 40 years to go what probably even in that time period would have taken six months. They must have been going in circles. But it was in God's time. And sometimes we have to wait and be patient God's plans for all people. Clear. He's very clear about the extent of his plan. When someone tells you, I read the Bible and I just don't understand it, well, sit down with them and read it to them and allow God to illuminate his word to you. Because if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. It's not just in the pastor that's on the stage. It's in the people of God. And his plan is not to abandon or forsake you. That is a promise that I could listen to the rest of my life every day. That is a promise that I needed to hear. That's a promise I need to hear. And I know if I need to hear it, we all need to hear it.
So this morning, as you go from church, there's someone that needs to hear that this day. Today. I'm going to pray, and my prayer is that God will fully saturate our lives with that promise and help us to understand that. So when we're afraid, when there's uncertainty, that he is there with us. And we don't have to have all the answers because he does. And he knows. And he feels what we're going through. He understands it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we know this Joshua series, we're going we're gonna to go into a time where they go into the promised land and there's lots of fear, there's lots of uh, people that are just afraid of everything on the, their left and their right and we have to be focused, focused on your promises and God, we know that we need to be more patient. Your promises come in your time, it's not in our time, it's not when we want it. It's when you will it into being. So God, we ask this week that you would give us opportunities as a church to share that promise with others. But also, help us to live and meditate and think about that promise. Allow us to see the opportunity that we have. The opportunity we have for helping others and sharing with others about the great promise that you have that you will not abandon us or forsake us. When we're most afraid, God, you are most strong. Help us to cry out to you even when we're afraid. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Joshua and his example and how we're going to see what he is going to do in this book that is amazing. And we're going to get to know you better. So God, grant us courage over fear. Courage to do the right thing in midst of opposition. Because God, you are one step ahead of our plans. And you've made that clear. So God, help us to be part of your plan rather than part of our own. We say all this in Jesus' name.